Welcome to Reactive. My name is Henning Glattergutz and I'm here with Raquel Velez. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi there. And Khalil Lechert. Hello. Hello. You. We're all here. Yay. Made it. Excellent. Oh, What's goodness. happening? Oh. Little babies are teething, I hear. <laughs> yes. Miss Lily is uh, teething. Yeah. That's pretty rough all around, I think, for not just a little one, but the parents too. I, yeah, it's it just means yeah. a little less sleep and just a little less. <laughs> yeah. Well, for her, I must say, I, I think she's actually doing pretty good. It's just mm -hmm. that normally she would sleep like three hours during the day, like two hours there here, and then another nap for an hour or something like that. She didn't do that at all today. Just twenty minutes here, twenty minutes there. And then also the night was shorter, but she is still mm -hmm. kind of sleeping through. So it's actually pretty good for yeah. teething. Yeah. Yeah. I can't complain either. She's, uh, my daughter's doing great and she's got teeth coming in like crazy, but uh, <laughs> still the best sleeper out of the three. So oh, it's not, it's not too bad. Yeah. That's good. Good deal. I, I can't contribute to this conversation at all. <laughs> Are your dogs teething? I mean, no, 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 they're although. Ooh, okay. So one of my dogs yesterday morning woke up with a limp, and I was like <laughs> freaking out a little bit, and I was like, "Oh my god, what is wrong with my dog?" Because my husband has the car and he's off skiing, and so it's just me and the dogs, and I don't have a car to like take him to the vet. And I was just like, "Please don't be broken. Please don't be broken." And and basically, <laughs> long story short, I I eventually realized that he had slept on his arm kind of wrong and his, his paw fell asleep. Aww. And so he, he <laughs> and so he was limping while, and then like he would kind of complain a little bit because he had the pins and needles sensation. Yeah. Right. And then, but by the time we were done with our walk, like, like he hobbled down the stairs to go out for the walk. And then by the time he got back, he was like jumping up the stairs and everything. I was like, you're fine. Oh. <laughs> and that's when I realized that when dogs hit, you know, the equivalent of their 40s, they are just as broken as humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it happens, yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I wake up and things don't <laughs> work right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, pains and aches, yeah. Oh, goodness. And you're like, why? Anyway, yeah. so, oh gosh, but that's okay. That's okay. What's so? What's what's going on this week? What have you all got on your uh, on your list of things to talk about? Well, I uh, I listened to an interesting podcast. I think this was the uh, Reply All, and um, what I came across there was this uh, this website that's um, being created or being maintained by this. Um, Microsoft employee who's a specialist in security. His name is Troy Hunt, and he's from uh, Australia, I believe. So he's uh, he's collected all these uh, data breach. Um... The addresses of people that were leaked and what kind of additional information was leaked and has put together the site. It's probably been out for a while. I just... Like I said, for me, it's a new thing. It's basically have I been pwned, uh, dot com, mm -hmm. and instead of owned, it's P W N E D, um, 
And you can type in your email address and it will tell you which data breach, if any, you have been part of. <laughs> so it's really interesting. I looked at my, my email address and um, yippee, it's like uh, five different things. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, that uh, my information has sort of gotten out on. One of them is Dropbox. I kind of knew that because they told me about it. Um, so back in 2012, my address was part of that. Um, and then it, it explains basically what your uh, risk was, et cetera. And um, another one is LinkedIn that I knew about as well. But then there's a few others that I didn't know about. Adobe was one and Trillion. I had no idea that that happened. So that was just in 2015. LinkedIn was 2016. So uh, pretty interesting. And and I guess the whole point of this is to, um, the way this came up was it's basically a story about how uh, important it is that you have different passwords on different accounts. <clears throat> because what can happen is that, uh, yeah, if you are part of one of these breaches, your information gets out. Now people start looking around the internet for, you know, accounts to see if they can get in with your credentials. Um, and uh, that's kind of scary. So use a password manager <laughs> is, I guess, is I guess the bottom line. And I just thought mm -hmm. it was it was kind of cool that this thing works and it's it's pretty performant and it basically looks through all these uh, these data breaches, lets you know if you're part of them or not. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Did you guys try it out? I just tried it right now and I'm pwned in uh, with my oldest email address, the Gmail address that I have. I'm pwned with Last.fm, LinkedIn, MySpace. <laughs> oh, no. MySpace oh. and Tumblr, apparently. <laughs> interesting. Oh, wow. Tumblr. I didn't mm. know that they got. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I um, I knew about this site because I remember using it probably about a year or two ago. But this is a really good reminder to use it again <laughs> because password breaches happen all the time. <clears throat> yeah. um, although that reminds me, did you all hear about the LastPass uh, breach? Yeah. I heard from last something week about or it on the periphery. Like that. What's the details yeah. on that? Yeah. Um, let me get pick up the article. I just have to. Um, so basically, it seems that um, like it was a like an on the web sort of thing. So because so LastPass, what they do, which is different from One Password. Um, so one password has an extension in like for browsers that then like has a little thing on the toolbar and you can fill things in with a, a, a keyboard shortcut. But what LastPass does, I think, is they do they like like actually go into the website itself and like like pre-fill it or something? I don't remember. Or they inject they inject um some some uh some foo-foo into, into the web page that basically gives you a button on the uh, um, username and password fields that you can just click on. And uh, basically it it's triggers something uh, to fill in your username and password. But I do believe that the entire service is pretty much hosted on, on the web. It's like a SaaS. Mm -hmm. So your okay. password information is actually in the cloud, whereas in, I think, 1Password, they do have that option as well, but you can mm. opt not to do that and just keep it locally. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so okay, that's... so 
This is what Ars Technica says. I'm just going to read out the paragraph. Uh, It says, The flaw, which affects the latest version of the LastPass browser extension, was briefly described on Saturday by by Tavis Ormandy, a researcher with... Um, When people have the LastPass binary running, the vulnerability allows malicious websites to execute code of their choice. Even when the binary isn't present, the flaw can be exploited in a way that lets malicious sites steal passwords from the protected LastPass vault. Uh, Ormandy said he developed a proof of concept exploit and sent it to the LastPass officials. Uh, Developers now have three months to patch the hole before Project Zero discloses technical details. So, okay, so it sounds like it wasn't a flaw that was discovered by, like, malicious hackers, but rather by, like, a, a, what they call, like, a white hacker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so... Yeah. Okay. So it's it's not totally a horrible thing. It's just a hey, FYI, you've got a pretty big hole, and here's <laughs> what it is. But we're not going to tell the world about it. But somehow we're going to tell the the world that you have a hole, which I think is kind of crappy, actually. Yeah. Because it. I guess they do that. Why to to put some pressure on them or something? Maybe, but like whenever, so like at NPM, when somebody uh, sends us an email. Uh, about an actual security bug, right? Like, so, like, we get a bunch of people sending us things like, hi, I found a bug, uh, you know, whatever, something silly. But, like, sometimes there are, like, genuine, legit security issues. Um, we have we have an email address that people can send uh, information to, and then we take them very seriously, and we're like, okay, we're going to, like, get on this immediately, what sometimes what some people do is like to kind of put the extra pressure on us, which they really don't need to because we care about security a lot. But sometimes they'll be like, hey, I'm going to um, to expose this vulnerability in one week, two weeks, whatever. Um, I'm going to write a blog post about it. So I recommend that you fix it before then. But like they don't tell people, hey, guess what? I found a vulnerability and I'm going to tell you all about it in two weeks. Right. Like. Because then people are just going to try to hit your system over and over and over again. Like actual malicious hackers are going to try to hit your system and figure out what the problem is before you can fully fix it. So I don't know. I think that's kind of a a nasty move by Google. Oh, Google did that? Uh, it's a researcher with, Goggle, with, with Google's <clears throat> Project Zero vulnerability reporting team. So... Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Google's huh. in the name, therefore it must be Google's fault. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, anyway. I think too that it would make more sense to keep that quiet and not cause more ruckus mm-hmm. and then like maybe like you said, give a deadline, but to put it yeah. out there right that's kind of stink. Yeah, because then then it, like everybody can save face and like like this person can still get the credit for finding the bug, right? And they'd be like, thanks to so-and-so for finding the bug and telling us about it, like secretly through our through appropriate channels, we were able to address it. And here's what it was, but now you can't pwn us, so it's fine, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Like, so like everybody can still win just after the bug, the hole has been patched, you know, I don't know. I have opinions, obviously. Yeah. No, I, I, I see that. That makes sense. Um, especially if it's a service that could get taxed by yeah. knuckleheads that want to exploit it. You're using very kind language there. <laughs> <laughs> knuckleheads. Yeah, it's kind of, 
it's kind of i don't have any any kind of patience or sympathy for people that do malicious stuff like that i don't know it's like no totally trying to do their job and you know like if somebody <laughs> yeah never mind <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah yeah happened? so like i said the site has probably been out there like you said you you knew about it a year ago um i just think it's cool that something like that is out there and um it was a, yeah, again, like you also said, a reminder that um, really, really, this stuff is serious. You need to mm-hmm. stop putting your the same password everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. Yes. Hmm. What so, else? Yeah. What else? Um, talking about, uh, like, last, last episode, we talked a bit about... Um, like management and engineering management and stuff like that. And there's a new book that just came out uh, by Camille Fournier about, uh, so she was the former, she's the former CTO of Rent the Runway. Um, And she wrote a book called The Manager's Path. Uh, And it basically describes how to go from an individual contributor engineer and move up to mentor, to a tech lead, to an engineering manager, to a manager of a team to a manager of uh, multiple teams to a like a director of engineering position, a um, like a VP of engineering, and then up to CTO, and like like basically w- like walks out like this is what you need to do. These are the responsibilities that are required. It it's not quite as managementy of a book as uh, other books might be, but it still does cover some of the really basic stuff around management and talks about like how to handle some really common problems, which until I read this book, I thought that they were really not common. But when she starts describing some of the like, you know, common cases, I was like, oh my God, every company has people like that. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> like what, what's I mean, an example like, of that? Can you give um, one? Yeah. So like, for example, I, I'm going to pull one from the book. Um, you have the case of like the brilliant jerk, right? And like, I, I think we all have, have heard about that one, but it's like the person who's like a real pain in the butt to to work with, but um, but is really smart. And so it's really hard to convince upper management that you need to fire this person because they're such a jerk because they produce so much. Um, or other cases like uh, somebody isn't like as emotionally mature for certain things or, um, you know, you, ha- you have the person who, is a is a really great tech lead, but they're they're nervous about how they have um, estimated things, and so they they tend to kind of hole up and and work in quiet and private because they're just a little scared to like admit that they're behind schedule, um, or you know, so like like different things like that, which. I mean, I've I've seen these people, right? But I just didn't assume I, I didn't really assume that they were at like that they were like common types of personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But what I really appreciated was like the way that the book is laid out. It starts off as like you are an engineer. This is how you should be like how to be prepared to be managed, right? So that like you can be a better engineer for your manager, um, and then kind of like walks you through like the the slow progression and talks and it, she is really specific about what the job title like regardless of the job title but what the responsibilities of the job are both from a technical perspective and from a non-technical perspective um so like 
like as an IC, you you're not really caring about what work your your peers are doing unless like you're working with them on a project. Um, sorry, IC is individual contributor. Uh, but when you move up to say a tech lead, you have are are pretty strong on your technical skills, but you're also starting to learn how to lead people and you're learning how to gather information and how to manage projects on some level. Um, and then when you move up to say like director of engineering, like how do you, uh, like now your responsibilities include not only managing people, but you're actually managing managers as well. And you're, you're seeing multiple teams across the organization and, and all of that stuff. So it's like, it's really fascinating. And I, I personally, I think it's a must read. It's, it's actually, it's an O'Reilly book and I think it should be on every software engineer shelf like it's that good and it's just really clear really lays everything out um it's the book i wish i had been able to read like a year ago but it wasn't written yet uh-huh. so i couldn't <laughs> um, but it's yeah. out now and uh it's on kindle or paperback whichever um it's worth it so nice put it in yeah. the show notes is it in audio audio well, form I don't think so. I mean, like, literally the book came out, like, this week. So yeah. I don't think there's a, an audio version of it yet. Um, but I will definitely share the link uh, in the show notes. Like, people are going to hear my little click clacking of the laptop. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I have, like, three three books in the queue now, and I just cannot get through them. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Oh, no, this one's, like, a nice quick read because – if it's if it's not new to you, it's something that it will just basically validate your experience. You're gonna be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I totally do this. But then like two sentences later, you'll be like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Nice. So Mustard on Social. Have you heard of that? <laughs> no. Someone please explain to me the Mastodon thing because I <laughs> I mean, I've gone so hipster with my like with my social networks that I'm like, mm, I don't know. This is this is too new and cool, and I'm just like, I'm old school. I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. So <laughs> go for it. Okay, so it's called Mastodon. Mastodon. I have no idea. For me, it just always sounds mustard on, and then the, and then the <laughs> this and then the uh, URL is mustardon dot social. So it sounds like mustard on social for me. And I don't, really don't like the name, but anyway, it's a it's like a Twitter, but it's decentralized, meaning it's a they have like a peer it's a peer to peer Twitter, I guess. <clears throat> and uh, there is um, you have timelines, public timelines, five hundred characters per post, um, GIF, V sets and short videos, granular proposed privacy settings, rich block and muting tools, ethical design, no ads, no tracking, open API for apps and services. And so how this works is that you can go to um, to a mass mastodon mustard on a server somewhere. Uh, there, there are multiple addresses <laughs> like uh, subdomains for the mustard uh, Twitter. <laughs> And uh, you can go there and you can sign up and then you have your you have your um, Twitter and then <clears throat> somehow somehow your tweet your oh they call them toots which is also <laughs> terrible um, because of the yeah um, yeah okay yeah I guess makes sense uh, 
So anyway, excellent naming all around. <laughs> yeah, but toots is also farts, really. So uh, anyway, um, yeah. So the toots get kind of uh, they get uh, uh, distributed through the system through through their peer to peer network, and yeah, and that's. I mean, I don't know the details. I didn't really look into it, and I've just seen a lot of a lot of people signing up to it. I think it does make sense, uh, such a system, and I think eventually um, something like that has to come along for something like Twitter, uh, or that, or something like that 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 can that is an alternative to Twitter that is somewhat successful, or maybe replaces Twitter for some people for specific groups like. A lot of developers are jumping on this because they understand the technology behind it and they understand that it's a better, uh, potentially a better service because it's not relying on one big company and one centralized system. And which means that if one server, one master server goes down somewhere, somewhere, then um, then um, the other servers, you know, they jump in and, and, and stuff like that. And um, uh, yeah, so because it's decentralized and because it's um, because it's open source and um, you know it's supposed to be ethic more ethical and stuff like that, a lot of uh, people gravitate to it and uh, have made accounts, and uh, that's kind of yeah. I've seen a lot of people on there, but I've already seen tweets about uh, Mastodon where someone I think uh, who was it I forgot the name, but uh, somebody said. Mastodon, the social network where you complain about Twitter. <laughs> that sounds about right. I mean, I think that for something like that to really catch on, I think it has to really take over um, in order mm -hmm. to catch on and be really useful for lots of people. You know, like if you have if if you have like your group, like maybe your company, everybody's on it. Maybe your friends, you get you know your friends on it, and then. The 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 thing is so delightful that you pro, that you prefer you know using that instead of Twitter, and then maybe for for your group kind of it takes over. But other than that, I mean you know people also now do like things where they post on Mastodon and then and then repost to Twitter and stuff like that, and it's just like this yeah. uh, thing that we've seen so many times before. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I remember. Is this, is I remember this run Peach? by a yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it, it it just reminds me so much of Peach, and I was so into that, and then mm -hmm. and then I stopped. So, yeah. I don't know. so is this run by a company, or is it like an open source thing, or how does that how does it work? Uh, that's know? a good question. I have no idea. Okay, just curious. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I have I really not looked so. into it uh, very much. I've just made fun of the name so far on Twitter. <laughs> Wasn't there a paid for? What was it called? The service that is a, like an alternative to Twitter, but it's paid and it's, and it's closed. Oh, um, is that I still was around? That. No. Well, I mean, it might be, but I remember paying fifty bucks for it once, and then I was like, eh. yeah. and that was like that was in two thousand twelve or something, twenty ten, like twenty eleven, twenty twelve. It was a long time ago, and it was not. Uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, like, uh, like, like, like Cleo's putting out, like, it's really difficult to create a competitor to Twitter, uh, to that will really hit the scale of Twitter, right? Like, the thing about yeah. Mastodon Social is 
like, yes, a bunch of developers are using it, but guess what? Developers are not the primary user group of Twitter. And so if you try to get like non-devs, like if you were to separate the entire world and like like categorize them in terms of how devy they are, whatever, um, like you would have you'd have like the super nerds who are probably creating their own Mastodon social instances. And then you'd have the like pretty nerds, which I would put myself in that group and think, oh, you know, cool. Somebody like a friend of mine made this instant. So maybe like I understand what the the premise is of this. So I'll join one of my friends's social things or whatever uh, or Mastodon. Mastodon. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> and then you've got like the the people who are friends of the like kind of nerds. Uh, and they, they might be like, I don't totally understand what this is for, but since my friends are on it and they're nerdy, I trust them. So I'm going to join that too. But then you're going to have the friends of those friends who are going to be like, I don't get it. And I yeah. think yeah. quite a larger percentage of the, the world's global population is going to be in the, I don't get it category. And far more of them are going to be on Twitter than they would ever be on like non-twitter if that makes sense yeah, yeah and the other thing sure. is that everybody's established their their followers and everything already and they'd have to mm -hmm. start over and i don't know just to me that doesn't make sense but i think there's I really know. only a chance for something to take over or be an alternative to a real uh, alternative to twitter is when twitter dies for some reason i think that there has been yeah. lots of speculation that that might happen or people were fearful about it because twitter has become some sort of uh necessity i think for for a lot of people and something that every that a lot of people really love and and also for me uh, and just the the type of messaging that twitter is i kind of feel like it's more it has become something uh, more than than um a social media product it's it has become a very how, how would i describe this um just something that feels like it it has to be there on the internet, you know, something where you have the possibility to 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 um, post short messages and and reach basically whoever you want, you know. <laughs> I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people um, that also normally wouldn't be reachable otherwise, and you can just um, talk to them. And um, yeah, and this kind of it's more like like. It, it feels like this should be like a pro protocol. And I think that a lot of developers think that too. And that's why they create things like that, which are, um, w yeah, which have different, um, which might be a little bit superior uh, to, to Twitter in, in certain things because it's decentralized. It's, it's not, uh, there's no overlord controlling it and stuff like that. But um, it's just, yeah, you just don't have the, you just don't have the network and it's, it's yeah, exactly. very, and very I think the, hard to, to, yeah, to compete, yeah, the, basically. The put it as a, as a protocol is actually, I think, a good, good way to put it is because I have several people um, that I know well enough through Twitter and, you know, email communication, but I don't, they're in other countries and I don't necessarily have their phone numbers or their WhatsApp contacts or whatever, but I can get them on direct message via Twitter. And that's actually mm -hmm. been very, very helpful yeah. Um, yeah. to just, okay, I can get directly to that person in a private message because he's in my or she's in my, um, you know, follower <clears throat> circle. So that's also very been very useful to me.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Has become somewhat. I mean, there is of course huge issues with harassment and all this kind of stuff, and and mm-hmm. and the possibility of like huge amounts of people, you know, ascending down on somebody on Twitter, which can be absolutely terrifying. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, this is something that hopefully <clears throat> Twitter is working on to to get solved as well. And also. I I would have never on Mastodon. I would have never been able to tell Ringo Starr that he did a good job on Paperback Writer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. Like he, he, I saw somebody retweeted a tweet from Ringo Starr, uh, and and Ringo Starr was like, oh, "I just I just heard uh, Paperback Writer on the." on the radio after 50 years of not hearing it or something like that. And, and I must say, I'm so excited. It's amazing. It's still such a great track. And I said, and then, and then I quoted that tweet and it was like, Hey, and you should be excited, dude, because you did really well or something like that. I don't know. But, um, uh, no, because, no, because it's amazing or something like, because I, I really like that uh, song also. So, It was. It's just. I just. Nice. I. I just thought it was so funny that I can just like quote Ringo Starr and and he wrote that tweet and then you know say hey dude, <laughs> good job, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. No, I'm. I must say, like, I'm not really. I'm not. I'm not super attracted by um, by Mastodon and. Um, And I think also not by there's also a different uh, social network that which actually that that other social network that is, is even more centralized and even nerdier. I think I think that one's even I think that one's more interesting to me because it's so out there. It's um it's called it's called Scuttlebutt and it's it's basically <laughs> has been introduced uh, has been no made by uh, Substack and Dominic Tarr um, of Node fame and and um those guys are i mean uh substack apparently is currently building a shack on a 300 meter high lava stone thing in hawaii <laughs> and and dominic Carr, he is living on a boat on the sea in new zealand Uh, yes, I, I believe that. Uh, and yes. it's a self-steering sailboat. So he built some contraption <laughs> that that makes that boat steer itself. It's crazy. Like it's it's so amazing. Those guys are so out there. It's, it's it's so cool. But so they made a decentralized social network that completely works without servers. So it's completely peer-to-peer, and so it. It like there can, you can use servers to to publish throughout to reach more people, but what it because they're offline so much because they're in these remote areas, um, and they still wanted to have uh, a social network and, and and a good alternative to email, they created the scuttlebutt uh, scuttlebutt protocol, which is completely end to end end to end encrypted, and um, and what it does is that when whenever you get on a Wi-Fi connection then it um it basically copy pastes all the info all the stuff that you posted in your scuttlebutt thingy to everybody else who's also who also has a scuttlebutt instance running and um and who can receive those those messages and is also on that wi-fi network and then When you're on the Wi-Fi network, you can also log into a server, which then distributes to more people as well. 
but it completely it works completely without servers and you can post messages and pictures and stuff like that you can direct message people and then it's completely encrypted encrypted and then you can also publicly post so to speak uh, post that anybody can see who would be either on the uh, Wi-Fi network or on that server that you um, or was, has access to the server that you posted that stuff on. And it's it's kind of modeled after uh, word of mouth, meaning that word of mouth is when one person tells another person and that person tells you know another and then that's how it spreads and that person tells five people and then it spreads like that. And basically through the Wi-Fi networks, your messages kind of spread like that in a similar way. And um, and it's that, that's totally that's totally amazing. That's so fascinating to me. I think that is so have actually. You, have you tried it out or just read no. about it? No, I've just read about it. Uh, Andre, uh, okay. Andreas Daltz, uh, who who did uh, CycleJS, he's also now co- working only on um, open source stuff. I think it's uh, it's being financed by um, uh, donations and stuff like that. I think he might also be freelancing. I'm not sure, but he stopped working at this company that he, he used to work at, and uh, he he took some time to to work on uh, making Scuttlebutt a little bit more easier to get into, I think. And he wrote a big article about that. And so that's why I know about it. Yeah, I was oh. just going to ask how easy it is to get get onboarded on that thing. Is it like you have to build the client yourself from source <laughs> or something? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it's... Yeah, it's, it is a little bit tedious. It's definitely not as easy as logging on to something. Uh, okay. But I don't remember. There's a few steps involved, but it's it's doable. Uh, I mean, all right. It's yeah, but it's it's so interesting because it's like so self-serving, is, yeah. right? You know, like you don't. Yeah. There's like I truly nothing. <laughs> like as le- as long as one person and another person has the thing installed, you know, you those two can use it. Basically, it's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. <clears throat> Speaking of tedious, I uh, I put um, boot camp on on my mac pro and installed windows windows 10 because my son wants to play um the more open or flexible version of minecraft and uh so this has been the first time i think since well not i think the first time since windows xp that i've worked on 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 windows and um i'm not not impressed really still (laughs) nice (laughs) it's um I mean, maybe, you know, performance-wise, and I can't, you know, say a lot about it, but, wow, it's not very pretty. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> mm. I was really shocked about the design. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dang. They've had this many years, and it actually, I feel like, almost looks worse than it used to. <laughs> yes. but, oh, um, no. Anyway, just just first impressions, that's all. But, yeah, so that was, was interesting to get that installed. I, I upgraded to an SSD um because i so that was the probably let's see i haven't worked on on that mac pro for several years as well and uh, it has spindle hard drives and oh my gosh how did we ever work on stuff like that mm-hmm. it is so slow yeah. it's unbelievable yeah. it's terrible so it's it's a huge huge performance difference even on an older computer like that it's like from 2009 putting the solid state in there and it flies now. It's really cool. Nice. But anyway, so now he can he can play Minecraft on on the PC, and he's happy. And yeah. um, hopefully that will lead to I don't know other things in computery stuff for him. So 
that was a little weekend project that was like <laughs> yeah other than that I saw a tweet. yeah yeah i did i saw a tweet by um uh, one of your colleagues raquel um laurie foss is that how you pronounce his name uh voss with the with the hard voss. v yeah okay. Yeah. He tweeted out saying that 12% of packages downloaded from NPM are packages wholly or partially attributed to Sindra Soros. That yes. is insane. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? 12% of all packages. Sindra <laughs> <laughs> uh, is a, a very, you know, productive open source developer. He so is. he's also, and also his, his uh, there's a lot of trust w- involved I think for developers mm-hmm. who use his packages, I know for me, whenever I see his name, like if I get, if I go to MP, npmjs.org or is it org or com? I don't even remember. Dot but com. Your site. Yeah. <laughs> your website. <laughs> uh, when I go to your website, then and, and search for a package and there's a Cinder somewhere, a Cinder Soros package somewhere, and it's like remotely in what, what I want. And mostly it's exactly what I was looking for. Then definitely it's going to be that package that i'm going to use without any question like this is his packages are just so um so good he's really mm-hmm. yeah we talked about that specifically i think before right when i asked if like how do you determine which one to use and then if his name is on it it's pretty much guaranteed that it's great it has awesome mm-hmm. documentation and etc so it yeah i agree yeah yeah <laughs> Um, fun, fun, other NPM news, actually. Um, we, uh, so we, we completely gutted our downloads API, um, and it was using my squeal, uh, or uh, my SQL or my squeal, however, my squirrel, um, <laughs> <Just like it. laughs> um, but, uh, it's, it's now uh, uses Redis on the back end um, as a as a database store, and what that means is it's really really fast. Um, so you can so like and the other thing is that it now has scoped downloads, and it no longer has. Um, so one of the biggest complaints we got about our downloads API was that uh, there are so, still some packages from once upon a time who have mixed case. Uh, capitalization in in the package name. So, for example, jQuery. Once upon a time, it was lowercase j capital Q, and then you know U E R Y, um, and then eventually, like we that used to be okay, probably for about the first year of npm's existence. And then it was like, wait a second, if we do that, then it's going to be really confusing. So it was forced that all package names should have all lowercase. But there are still some that have upper and lowercase in them, um, and our downloads API couldn't handle that. So it would always show the same downloads numbers for both uh, jQuery all lowercase and jQuery uh, uh, with a capital Q. Um, so that has been fixed. So so now like uh, it's case sensitive and it can handle public scoped modules, not private ones yet. That's coming, um, and and it's really nice and fast. So uh, you can see that. And also our search handles public scopes as well now. So if you wanted to look up, um, if you actually go to our search page, there are now ways to filter a little bit by um, author name uh, or uh, like scope or, or anything like that so that you can kind of find things that are specific to 
whatever. So if you want to find only modules written by Syndra, you can just be like, you know, person <laughs> or oh, author, wow. Syndra then and then like nice. you can just see if maybe he's written it already. If not, then find take off the name and, and find the thing that you want. But mm-hmm. um, cool. so huzzah. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> well. Yeah, so, so what part of it – sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. What part of uh, it is in, in – or makes use of Redis? It is, is it actually – I mean, you don't have all it's, the yeah, – go ahead. No, it's, 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 it's actually the data store. Um, so, oh, wow. Okay. So, so I think what we have is, is we use a combination of Redis plus uh, – I want to say S3. So, like, there's going to be a lot of, like, old data that's just, you know, not going to happen for a while. But um, – or like like that it's it's so like we have what is it like four hundred and fifty thousand packages in the registry right now, um, and while we don't have live download counts, we we actually just we count them into pu- into buckets, and then um, every evening or so we kind of like count through everything and and roll it up. So like between today and tomorrow, you'll see a change in download counts, but between like this morning and this afternoon, you wouldn't. Um, like we only refresh that number every 24 hours, but, um, but because of that, we can actually like Redis isn't as, uh, as fragile as, as it might be. I mean, Redis isn't fragile at all, but, um, you don't have quite as many entries in it as you might, if you were going to do things kind of more dynamically, try to have live download counts though. We've certainly thought about that. Uh, we just don't really have the engineering power at the moment to make such a cool thing happen because we've got a few other uh, new products and things that we want to build first. So, you know, things are coming. Nice. So is it <laughs> awesome. is it all of the packages in, in Redis or is it just sort of like the top X percent and then you sort of bring things into Redis as needed or how does that work? Um, I don't actually know the answer to that. Um, but our, our API is actually public. So you could find, I think it's public. Uh, no, sorry. It's not public because, uh, the, so like we're using a framework that was written in house that hasn't been open sourced yet. Um, so it's not, it's not public yet. Um, but I can find out the answer if you really want to know. Yeah, I'm just curious how how you manage yeah. that because isn't that that would be like an enormous amount of storage? I would think data. No? Yeah. yeah data. Oh, it's it's a lot of data. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We had we had multiple millions of rows in uh in the the MySQL. So yeah, I would just that, think that, that, would, that would require a huge instance of Redis or probably multiple since you have to probably have a cluster or something. Mm-hmm. interesting yes yeah <laughs> yeah i'm getting exposed a little more to aws and its services and oh my gosh that what does that company not offer it's unbelievable <laughs> like the <laughs> the uh the number of different services and the complexity of their you know control panel or whatever you want to call it their back end <clears throat> is like insane wow yeah so, but, but I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna warn you. Nevertheless, you've seen what happens when AWS goes down. Everything yeah. goes down. So be careful. Redundancy yeah. is key. One of the things that I think it's helped NPM significantly is um, our our 
our ops team is really like they've watched AWS over the last 10 years and they've like identified where like which um, regions tend to go down more, which granted going down is like <clears throat> once every three years. But mm-hmm. when you're a service like NPM going down at all is like not very good. So, um, so we've, we have a lot of redundancy across regions and then we also have fallbacks for everything. So if one region goes down, we can like very quickly move everything over to another region or whatever. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're just getting off of conventional stuff onto, onto AWS for some of our services that, uh, have had um, unfortunate incidences happen to them, um, so it's it's already a step up. But yeah, I, I do realize that we need to go further, so we shall keep that in mind. Nice. Uh, Twitter released something awesome uh, last week, I think, or this was it this week even. Uh, their um, mobile web Twitter application. Uh, it's a progressive web application written in React. Have, have you seen it? No. No. Oh, you should go to mobile.twitter.com and check it out. It's really nice. And uh, so they, so it's um, it's super lightweight. It's a progressive web app. Web app means, uh, which means that on Android phones, you can when you save it to home screen, it will um, basically open the app. Uh, just like the native Twitter app, as if um, uh, oh, it will open the app even if you don't have an internet connection, and will show old data basically until you're online, and then you know sync it up and show you new new data when you're online again. And uh, it's like super lightweight. It has some sort of a data saving mode, so that people who are in <coughs> uh, people who have who have uh, data plans where they don't want to. Uh, use up a lot of data they can uh, turn that on and then uh, they can basically use twitter in a light mode where i guess the videos are not pre-downloaded and stuff like that and the gifs and stuff like that so uh that's that's pretty cool um nicholas gallagher um he is a he's pretty well known in um front-end developer circles he is he is uh, he's the man behind uh, normalized CSS. He's been doing a lot of CSS work and and tons and tons of uh, research about browser comp- compatibility and stuff like that. And uh, he has been kind of the spokesperson for that mobile Twitter application. And he's going to talk about it on React Europe, uh, on the conference, uh, React conference in Europe. And um, and there was a blog post about how they made it fast, and uh, they did a lot of work on also um, optimizing the JavaScript so that it doesn't use a lot of, or so that it's as fast as possible and uh, doesn't use, or and also as small as possible. They they chunked it up with Webpack somehow so that you don't um, download the whole application on the first load, but you know whenever you you load more JavaScript whenever you go on specific routes and it's pretty uh featureful basically i think it only doesn't have the uh the moments tab or whatever 
that nobody ever uses. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically, it has all the features that, <laughs> that are important. <laughs> nice. Yeah, super cool. I'll have to check it out. Check it out. Will yes. do. Uh, and also, we had a, a conversation in our Slack channel about magic. So I wanted to hear uh, your opinions about it. So, magic. About magic, yeah. So um, so somebody said, I think it was Magalhini. Uh, he said that he's going to check out Next.js. And he was... Um, Was it Next.js? Yes, I think it was Next.js. And he wanted to do a tutorial and stuff like that. And he said he felt guilty about learning that because it, there was so much magic involved with Next.js. Mm. And um, <clears throat> and then and then my my point of view was that I said that I I like magic though. I think magic is is really good with. Uh, it's great to have in framework if it's the right magic, <laughs> basically, uh, and it does what you want. I think it's really, really helpful because it gets you up and running really quickly. It's it makes you productive, and um, you all you and once you see once you basically you uh, you know that this framework is something that you want to stick with, then you can always go back and learn what's what is what's what it does under the hood basically mm. uh, because at the end of the day it's all javascript right in the case of mm -hmm. uh, in the case of next.js it's, it's webpack with react and some server side stuff and yeah so uh, and it and went on for a while so i actually put the direct link i'm going to put the direct link where the conversation starts in the slack chat into the show notes so if you are a slack chat member you can uh, follow back and chime in and i wanted to know how how you see that stuff with uh yeah well yeah, i'm so, uh, good yeah yeah go ahead no go Henning, ahead you, you go first nope <laughs> maybe <laughs> no, i should right, have said first. a name maybe I should have, raquel so, how do you think about magic <laughs> um so i i think uh, i think I'm, i'm i'm in your camp khalil i think um on some level, like, especially when you're first exploring something, you don't need to know all of the details, right? Like we've talked a little bit on this podcast about my, my theory on how people should learn. Um, and that like, I think that our current education system is a little bit backwards. Uh, because I think, I think you should show people what's cool first and then have them ask why, and then you can show them why, and then they're more intrigued and they're more interested in learning because now they have a personal invested interest uh, in learning those things. So like, for example, I'm thinking of, of myself when I first started learning, learning Node. Uh, I used Express. I used a, a deployment system called Nojitsu, which, I mean, It was super magic, right? Like like Express and Nojitsu, super, super, super magic. Because all I had to do was go, all right, well, I need a website. And then it was just like <laughs> like NPM run Express or whatever it was. NPM start, I bet. Like, you know, NPM install Express and then go into a folder and then like Express create. I don't know, whatever. Uh, this was 2012, so I'm forgiving myself. Um, and And so like it made a website for me and a simple route and uh, with CSS and everything. And then it was just like, and now go to these different places and 
you know, modify these things. And so I did. And then I was like, oh my God, I have a website and it's running and it's perfect. And I know nothing about Node. I know nothing about NPM. Honestly, I didn't even know that much about HTML or CSS. I just wanted to kind of create a website really easily. Um, and then and then I wanted to, to deploy it, right? And so I went ahead and like used Nojitsu's docs and said, all right, Nojitsu deploy. And boom, poof, there it was. Like, I mean, the, basically Next.js and, and Site uh, are now, like Sites now, and, and Next.js are kind of the exact same, right? Like it's it's basically like you create your Next.js app, boom, you have an application, and then you can like use now to like push it up into the into the cloud, and it's all one company, but it's the same exact thing, like exactly the same. And you can learn, like you you, you get so excited, like oh my god, I just built a website. Now now then the next question is now what, right? And then you go, okay, well now I want to change things, and now when you get into the process of changing things, now you have to learn how things work and why they work that way. And you just kind of slowly work your way down into, like you go deeper and deeper and deeper until you lose interest. Um, and I think that is so powerful compared to when I was in school and had to like learn calculus, but I couldn't learn calculus until I fully understood pre-calculus, but I couldn't understand pre-calculus until I understood algebra. And you know, and you're going backwards and backwards and backwards, which, and so like, that's why kindergartners are learning addition and subtraction <laughs> because like, well, in order for one day for you to be able to do calculus and thus, you know, whatever, like you have to learn all these things step by step. And I remember very explicitly being in high school and looking at my my algebra two teacher and going, what is the point of all of this? And he was like, just hold on, you'll get there. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> this is BS, <laughs> right? So like if somebody were to say to me, oh, you wanna build a website, Here, here's a book on HTML and CSS. I'm gonna be like, this is not worth my time. Like, I don't wanna do this. I just wanna build a website. And so I think I think what site is doing right now is is allowing people to do that. And then and like so yeah, the magic is there. But sometimes I'm gonna use a really stretched analogy that I just made up right now. Sometimes you have to go to Disney World before you can like learn costume design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I pretty much agree with what both of you are saying, I guess. I think what people maybe get frustrated with is that when they have this amount of magic they expect the rest of it like understanding it to be as easy as getting to the point where they got and then when they don't mm -hmm. it's maybe frustrating and then you have these these cases where you know you because you don't understand the system that that gives you this magic you might be sort of working against it to try to get to what you you want to get to um and you you have a certain um path in your head because of you know past experience and how you think it should work and maybe it doesn't and that's maybe where you know frustration for a lot of people might might come in i mean i've i've seen that in the past so switching from one framework to another for example that basically is supposed to do the same thing but does it in just sli so slightly differently and then you have to sort of relearn certain concepts and that's maybe where you're like ah why is this so you know hard or whatever but you don't you don't appreciate how far you actually got with all the magic 
that you didn't have to do everything by hand and and start from from zero basically so overall i think it's 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 great um it's like we've said in the past you know it 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 allows you to get in on the 10th or the 50th floor instead of at at the bottom you know mm-hmm. and then yeah, once you become, go ahead i know okay, keep going i'm i'm, I'm just gonna piggyback off of what you're saying but yeah but once you get once you get to a point of you know comfort and needing to do a bit more than you usually have unless it's some some sort of closed system you usually have the option to dig into the lower levels like you already said and then do pretty much whatever you want to mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think um one thing i do want to point out though uh like i think you have a really interesting point there henning in that uh how many times have we looked at resumes and seen people say I'm an expert in jQuery, therefore I know JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ooh, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> like jQuery yeah. to me is also really magical, right? Like I can very fairly well attest that I do not fully understand how to use like the the like how to use JavaScript, like vanilla JavaScript to manipulate the DOM like at all. Like maybe not at all. I, I can certainly do like, you know, document dot something <laughs> anyway the Still point terrible. is APA. yeah i know i'm 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 horrible but like but the thing is i learned with jquery right and so like my front end skills are kind of meh because like and i i can hide it really well because everybody uses jquery so it's fine but like if i want to do something without jquery i'm like kind of i feel like i've, I've got my hands tied behind me because i have no idea mm-hmm how to do the thing because I've never needed to. And like, I've just never had any desire to learn. So I just haven't. Um, but for sure, like, I don't think I could walk into, I mean, if you give me like a couple of months, like I'm sure I'd be totally fine, but, uh, or even like a couple of weeks just to figure out what the syntax is. Cause I know how it works, right. Hypothetically, but I just haven't ever done syntactically what, what that requires. Um, so but you also it, haven't needed to, right? So it's not a bad right. thing, right? It's not. It's not. Um, though, like, certainly when I look at at resumes and stuff for people trying to apply uh, for a front-end position at NPM, and they're like, well, I know how to do back-end node because it's not really that different from front-end, right? And you're like, ooh, it's not the same at all. Um, there are the differences that you understand that and you don't claim that. I mean, you just came out and said that you don't know how to do this without jQuery. That's right. If somebody blatantly says, yeah, I can do this, therefore I can do that. Then. Right. Exactly. It's a little, it's a little tricky. You're like, "Mm, that's not exactly the same thing. Like somebody who says like a huge tell on resumes for me is, uh, I know node because I use express and I'm like, Mm -hmm you know some of Node, you have, you know Express, but you right. don't necessarily know Node. Um, and and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that it's, there's, there's a little bit of a skills mismatch there where you assume you understand the larger problem because you know the magical thing. Um, mm-hmm. So... It's, it's uh, yeah, I, I I was laughing at you, Raquel, before I was laughing at the DOM API because it's so ter- terrible. Oh, yeah. um, oh I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's okay if you were laughing at me too, because I, I I laugh at me. Uh. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, I would never do that. But I I wanted to add something. I think that it's uh, really crucial that that it doesn't matter which magic you use, which framework you use uh, that has magic, that you um, are determined when you when you want to use it for something that you tr that you try to really uh, learn it well like learn the framework first really well so basically because there there it definitely takes some work to get something that has a lot of magic uh to work in the way that it's supposed to work you because you have to use it in a specific way uh mostly even jquery was something that it took years for me to to actually use it proficiently and actually took learning javascript more deeply in order to use jquery correctly right it didn't it didn't mean that i had to learn uh the dom api because that was very well abstracted and that was fine and i really didn't want to learn it because it's terrible but i had to learn a little bit about you know how like how the dom The, like the deficiencies of the DOM uh, API, that it's slow in certain ways and that you have to, like when you listen to events, that it's good to delegate and, and why that's good. And like, like, the, like little things like that where slowly by slowly you would learn how to also kind of uh, componentize or how to how, how plugins work and how, you know, Uh, how to how to make plugins for for jQuery and stuff like that, and then that would always come with learning a little bit more of JavaScript and it's JavaScript in the browser, and um, and I think that that often happens with many frameworks too. That the 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 way the reason why certain frameworks the good frameworks there's also bad frameworks that basically teach you wrong things as well but but the good frameworks that and those are mostly frameworks that most developers kind of agree on um they when you learn them uh, learn how to use them you also learn a little bit if you go deep enough you learn about why they do certain things in certain ways and that allows you to learn about the language again the underlying language or the system or uh whatever it is that is underlying and and then that leads to more depth of knowledge of the magic and and it always depends on what you need from there you know and 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 um and what your curiosity curiosity is but uh yeah i think that's what it comes down to really and it's and magic is not, nothing to be afraid of or to feel bad about when you learn it yeah. mm. So was it in the Slack channel, the conversation, which I unfortunately did not yet see, is it more like magic is good or bad or the jury is open uh, or out on that? Well, I don't think that we really came to any conclusion. I think that, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that many people, there was a lot of good arguments about, you know, how magic can be uh, something good, but, but also it's really important to learn the basics. And, uh, so it was a lot of back and forth. Uh, but there was no like final point where somebody right. kind of no, I think up and said, "Okay, this is what everybody agrees on," or something. But it was yeah, because I guess a lot of this, the, the the issues that we discussed, is it comes down to just also overall experience to understand that um, even if you understand this magic thing, you probably don't understand everything that's under it, and you. 
um, you can't make these kinds of claims because that's just not mm. correct to say that you know I know this, therefore I know that. Yeah, you can't do that. No, so, no. Yeah, but I think yeah. it's also not necessarily necessary to uh, to know all the underlying things. I think if you demand that of yourself. And that's also kind of the thing that I was that I reacted to with with Magalhini, who was like he said he felt guilty about it, and I was like, okay, but every time if you feel like right at the beginning when you learn something, you feel already guilty about the magic <clears throat> that that would co that leads to the conclusion that you have to learn the underlying things of all the things that you learn is complete. That's completely over overwhelming, I think. Yeah. Right, so I yeah, think, I think as long as you know and you understand that that um, there's a whole bunch of stuff underneath that you don't know, and you yeah. don't necessarily go around claiming that you are an expert on it, then everything's fine. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's for know? sure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had those comments too of people saying, you know, um, it was sort of in the other other direction, not. They were saying, I don't like JavaScript. I like jQuery. You know, I mean, that's kind of a mm. strange thing to make as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe maybe not realizing that yeah well jquery is written in javascript um so therefore you're kind of using javascript <laughs> you're kind of liking it also <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah but then you're yeah. the people who are like typescript yeah down with javascript all the typescript all the time so you know whatever yeah. i'm yeah. totally for that <laughs> oh goodness anyway all right well i think alas we're we're our, our episode must come to an end um but uh what, this is a fun what, episode what, uh do we have any new disasters in yeah <laughs> oh i mean who needs Uber disasters this week? <laughs> oh, when, the, the Uber section, I, yes, yes. Da -da -da -da. United, United, and uh, oh, who else? Oh, uh, I mean, well, let's never forget the American uh, government. We just we don't have to say anything more. We can just leave it there. Uh, Pepsi, you know, everybody's everybody's just like I think I think Uber took over the spotlight for so long. That other companies are now feeling kind of left behind. <laughs> so, um, totally. Yeah. So, so Uber gets a little bit of a break from the news. Yeah. This There's week still... it was chocolate cake and cruise missiles, I think, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway. All right. Well, there's uh, there's no reviews, um, but I'm sure there's, or are there, are there any new um, Slack members? I think I think, so. I think there was one or two. While you're while you're looking that up, I guess um, if you like the show, um, please tell someone about it, or tweet about it, or leave a review, um, or just give us a rating on iTunes. That would help us out and let other people find our lovely podcast. So thank you. A writing on iTunes. You can also leave us a writing on the Twitter at ReactivePod, yeah. and. Uh, and I am Khalil tweets on the Twitter. And we still don't know if we have new entries. Oh, I mean, I thought you were checking, Khalil. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. But anyway, anyway, well, well, just checking because that's what I thought he was doing. Uh, <laughs> I didn't specify. Sorry. Here. 
<laughs> We're super organized here at Reactive Podcast. Uh, um, you can totally join us on our Slack channel uh, by checking it. Like, there's a, a magic link, oh, magic, uh, on our show notes, which you can find at reactive.audio. Um, so, so come hang out with us. And uh, I'm Rockbot on the Twitters. Holler whenever. And I'm H. Gladdergots on Twitter. I I'm, it's always so hard to find. Uh, to I thought we made oh, some with fancy billing. Thing. With billing it is. History. Yeah. No, it's not history billing. No, team changes. Here we go. Uh, some, some people are detected as inactive. That's... That's <gasps> very, not very oh, no. nice. It's hurting us. <laughs> <laughs> Nick it's Thomas. Okay. Nick Thomas joined the team. Is that is that new or old? When when was it? Does uh, it have a date? Oh, that was March thirtieth. Which is pretty. So no, I think I think that's it's already April fifteenth yeah, or fourteenth. Okay. So no, so we don't yeah. have any new members. Um, oh, that's okay. But good deal. Uh, but uh, if anybody wants to join, you can join uh, through... Oh, yeah, the magic link that Raquel just mentioned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. We're on it. We're on the ball. We can do this. It's in the show notes at <laughs> reactive.audio. That's right. <laughs> there you go. I think we did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. And you can reach Whoa, us all slap at, at reactive.pod. Okay. Just skip and this part. That note. Okay. <laughs> Dear listener, just skip this part. Anyway, uh, yeah, okay. so I think we can say goodbye. Well, thanks for now. listening. I'll catch you all next week. Bye. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.